Good afternoon, everyone. Hope you all had a great Christmas and a good New Year. Uh, I think uh, for those of you who come and to Mass regularly and know me enough, I'm not necessarily one to tell stories uh, during a homily. Again, a number of reasons for this, but the main one is I don't have a lot of really good, holy, pious stories. Not like Paul George, these wonderful things don't happen to me. Most of my stories that I have end up being pretty odd, pretty secular, and maybe a little off color, so I can't tell them. And so, people have been coming up to me since I came back from SLS in Chicago. I went with a group of about 50 students to the Student Leadership Summit. We're there with 8,000 other students from around the nation, sponsored by Focus. Uh, these are the leaders to learn how to grow deeper in our faith, in particular, how to share that faith with others. And they ask me, what are kind of great stories do you have? I really don't have any powerful conversion stories, anything that's super amazing happened. The only thing that happened, really, in a certain sense, seems not to even be relevant. But I'm going to tell the story anyhow and try to somehow tied to today's gospel because it's such a great story. It was the, the second to last day of the conference. It was bitterly cold in Chicago. Wind, and wind uh, chill, it was usually about negative 10, negative 14. So we stayed inside most of the time. Fortunately, the convention center was connected to the hotels. But it was the second to last night that Father Pelsey and I wanted to go out to dinner. And so we found a nice place called the the, uh, the Tardis Club, if you're ever in Chicago, it's very good. Took a little Uber down there, had a very nice meal. And on the way back, we took an Uber. Father Pelsey had called it. When we got in there, there's a nice woman from Chicago. She was driving a pretty nice car for an Uber drive. It was a BMW X3, so we were pretty excited. Going back for a drive that lasted about 30 minutes. And so we're in the back. I usually like to talk to the Uber drivers, want to know fascinating stories, but I noticed that she was listening to some hip-hop music, particularly a band that I knew from back in the days when I was in high school and college, and actually a song that I knew. And so, possibly quite surprising to her, even though she did not know I was a priest, we were both covered up with all of our, our clothes and our jackets and our scars, I said, hey, you listen to Tribe Called Quest. That's from the low-end theory. I know that song. And so she is just amazed that someone knows this. And this is something back from like 1990-91. And so we began this conversation where I was regaling her with all the knowledge I had of late 80s, early 90s hip-hop. Until finally I said, but let me tell you who my favorite band is. The band that I liked the most from that time were the Beastie Boys. Well, she's like, oh, I love the Beastie Boys too. And she goes, in fact, I have something that's going to make this the best Uber ride you've ever had. So she opens up and she pulls out a copy of 1986's License to Ill. And she pops it in and begins playing the track that most people know from that album, Paul Revere. Whence I, along with her, began rapping the whole entire song <laughs> on the way back. Now, she was just loving it, I was loving it, and Father Pelsey, who wasn't even alive when the song came on, <laughs> was looking at me like I was an alien from outer space. And no, I'm not going to wrap it for you today, so don't worry. We got there. As we were approaching, we started getting into other discussions about Chicago music, and I was asking her if she liked Urge Overkill and the Smashing Pumpkins or whatever, and Tar and all that. We had this best discussions. We finally got to the hotel, and I said, let me tell you something. 
I said, we've really, really enjoyed this ride. And I'm sure you're going to tell the story about these two guys from Louisiana who got in your taxi cab and sort of rapping Paul Revere with you. And she goes, oh, I just loved it. I've already given you five stars. I said, well, let me tell you something that's going to make Eve this story even better. We're both Catholic priests. <laughs> and so I pull off the, the, uh, the scarf. Well, she just freaked out. And of course, love the story. And I've been looking for a chance of telling this, but you say, Father, what does this have to do with anything? Well, it's an amusing story. But as I begin thinking about it, it has a lot to do with teaching us lessons about today's feast. The feast of the Epiphany, where God reveals himself to the three wise men. They have this epiphany of who Jesus is, of who the true God is. And to a certain extent, even though the story that I told you really doesn't have a religious dimension, there, this woman had that revelation from the epiphany of me pulling back my scarf where she realized that I was a Catholic priest. Now, this didn't necessarily lead her to conversion, but it sets up a principle for us understanding what epiphany is usually like. How we come to a deeper realization of who God is, of how he chooses to reveal himself to us, and how we come to understand that, how we come to be enlightened by it. And there are two things that I think are so important, that we look at my little story, which is pretty entertaining, and the story we hear today. The first is this. God chooses to make a revelation of himself, to lead us to epiphanies, through pretty ordinary circumstances. My circumstances were very ordinary. There's a, a Uber ride through Chicago. There's nothing fantastic about it. I mean, fantastic, we were driving a BMW. That's pretty impressive to me. But there was nothing, no, no column of fire. There was no voice from the sky. The earth didn't shake. It was a pretty ordinary revelation. I, I pulled back uh, my, my coat so that she could see my collar. In the same way, besides the fact that there's a star in the sky, this actual epiphany is not special. How is it described? The wise men walked into the house. There's Mary and the baby Jesus. Jesus is not glowing. She's not floating up in the air. It is a pretty ordinary encounter. That's the first way that these epiphanies normally happen. Things that are very ordinary. But number two and this is probably the most important, is that it often happens through relationships. One person revealing Christ to another in that relationship. And so what it was, I could have gotten to that Uber ride and not said anything. But we choose to have this conversation, this relationship, through that dialogue, through that encounter of two different people, Again, even though I didn't reveal God to her necessarily, she came to, through that conversation, uh, an epiphany, a realization, oh, this guy's a priest. It happened within the context of dialogue and relationship. And so in the same way, the revelation that we see here, this epiphany, is not the wise men looking at the store because there's no relationship there. It's not them walking in and seeing a burning bush, even though I'm sure that these types of things can happen. It happens through the encounter of persons. The wise men see the baby, who is a person, a real 
Again, even though the baby Jesus is not speaking, there's still that relationship. You can imagine, maybe the wise men held the baby Jesus, talked to Mary, talked to Joseph, whatever it was like. It's the encounter of two people, or a group of people, that God reveals himself. That we have these epiphanies. And so, keeping that principle, I begin to think about it. We were there for a group of five days with 8,000 people. Let me tell you, by the fourth day, I was ready to get out of there. I don't like epiphanies that are that big. I'm more of an introvert. But the fact is, in looking at the students who were there, this was not just the average student who went. Not that there is just an average student. These are the leaders, the ones who are committed to leading Bible studies, the ones who are committed to discipling others, of spreading the gospel, committed to a life of prayer. They were there to be trained so they could do it better, so they could have a deeper encounter with Christ. But if you went and you said, why are these students here? What makes them different? Why are they the leaders? It's not because they're holier. It's not because they're smarter. It's not necessarily because they even have more natural human relationships. It is because nine times out of ten, at least for the ones that were there, that they in very ordinary circumstances of work, of school, of a friendship, of whatever, encountered another person who challenged them or invited them through that relationship to a deeper knowledge of Christ. It probably didn't happen right away. If you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe it happened over discussion of music. Maybe it happened over a ride in an Uber. In very, very ordinary circumstances, someone reached out to them and after forming a relationship, a friendship, shared with them something they were passionate about and that's their faith. Maybe it happened after they shared with them their love for the Beastie Boys, particularly their second album, Paul's Boutique, which was their best, for those who care about that. But it led to something different, something deeper, that epiphany of who the Lord was through those ordinary circumstances and through that relationship, their lives were changed. And so they were taught in form. If I want to sum up everything that went on over there at SLS, to go out and to continue in the relationships they have, or the new relationships that they develop, that the Spirit might lead them to. Very ordinary circumstances, in the classroom, on the sports field, at the church, in the fraternity houses, sorority houses, at work, on the street, wherever it is, in the ordinary circumstances, to begin to develop relationships with people inviting them to come to Mass, inviting them to Bible studies, or even doing purely secular stuff, going to the concert, hanging out with friends. And then from that, the epiphany happens. The revelation happens of who Jesus is, and they are brought into a deeper relationship, and God willing a desire then, once converted, to share that with others. And so that is the real sort of paradigm for all of us of how we come to know the Lord in ordinary circumstances and in the relationships that we have in our lives but are called to a deeper faith in Jesus so that one day we might reveal Christ to others fearlessly, even though it's going to be in those ordinary circumstances in that relationship. And if doing so, we take up that responsibility to be living epiphanies in these ordinary circumstances and in the relationships we have, 
and we can change hearts, change lives, and bring the whole entire world to the knowledge and love of Jesus Christ. Amen.